Welcome to the Exam Room Rambles podcast, where veterinarian Dr. Tracy Westergaard shares the same tips, opinions, and explanations she gives you in the exam room, only without barking dogs or hissing cats. We're really glad you're here. Enjoy the show. Hey, thank you for tuning in. I am actually working on on-hold messages for the Marshall Animal Clinic, and um, this one I turned into a podcast. So it started off as an on-hold message, converted it to a podcast. I hope you enjoy something and get something out of it. Um, It's kind of fast and dirty, but not dirty. It's clean. I don't say any bad words. <laughs> and um, there's nothing explicit in it. I don't know what my deal is. I know what my deal is. It's Labor Day weekend. It's Monday. It's one o'clock and I am podcasting and doing hold messages for work. Isn't that crazy? So enjoy this podcast. So I'd like to take this time to talk about the most common pet poisons reported to the poison control pet hotline based on their call volume. Now the poison control pet hotline is a fee-based service that can be used by both veterinarians and individual pet owners. So number one on the list for dogs is chocolate. Now chocolate is not terribly toxic unless it's consumed in its very raw form or the very dark chocolate. Um, Milk chocolate is mainly sugar. There's actually not a lot of chocolate in it. So if your dog eats a chocolate chip cookie, it sure could get an upset belly from all that sugar that it's not used to. But it is one that they get an awful lot of calls on. Number one on the cat list is lilies. Now this is the flower lilies. Um, A lot of people bring lilies into their home during holidays and sometimes after funerals and cats that are in the house that don't get exposed to green grass usually crave that green. So they will eat those lilies and it does cause kidney issues. Number two for dogs would be mouse and rat poison. This is one that we see on a very regular basis. Now there's two different kinds of rat poisons. The older ones are ones that keep blood from clotting and your pet can bleed out from that. And then the neuro, the newer ones are neurotoxic. So it's super important that if you suspect your dog has gotten into mouse or rat bait, that you find the packaging and find out which kind of rat poison it is because we treat them very differently. Number two on the cat list is dog flea and tick meds. Yes, people often will buy dog flea and tick products and apply them to their cat. But some of the insecticides that we use on dogs are extremely toxic to cats. One of the first things that we do if that was an accidental mistake is we bathe the cat in Dawn dish soap. Um, They can get very sick and die from that, especially because cats will often lick those products and ingest them in addition to absorbing them dermally. Number three on the dog list, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean human NSAIDs like ibuprofens and Tylenols, but often the dogs will get into their own flavored chew tabs. So example, Carprofen, which is name brand Rimadyl, but there are also several generics, is a super common non-steroidal drug used for arthritis pain in dogs. People often buy one or two months supply and they are a beef flavored chew. Well, some dogs really like that. And if they can get on a counter or if that gets left in a bag or someplace where the dog can access it, they will get into that and eat all of them at once. So definitely, if your dog is on any kind of medication, keep it out of reach. 
Number three for cats is household cleaners. Now, this can be anything that you clean your floor with, a pine saw, a bleach, different cleaners. The reason is cats walk across these. They get the cleaner on their paws if it's not completely dry, and then they lick their paws clean because cats do not like anything that is not cat on them. So those are unintentional. Number four on dogs is xylitol. Xylitol is an artificial sweetener, especially found in gum, but can be found in anything ranging from yogurts to peanut butters, whatever. This is highly, highly toxic to dogs. There are some gum where xylitol is the number one ingredient. Now, if you keep a pack of gum kind of in your center console in your car or your minivan and you leave the dog or you leave the door open when you're unloading groceries in your garage, your dog can get in there. It can get that gum. And for a small dog, um, like a 10 pound dog, uh, excuse me, a 10 pound dog, one stick of gum can be extremely toxic. So what does the toxicity look like? It actually causes low blood sugar. I don't know the specific pathophysiology of it, but I do know that they get very weak and their blood sugar gets very low. They need to be hospitalized, monitored, and on a constant glucose drip. Number four in the cats, antidepressant meds. A lot of humans are on anti-depression and anti-anxiety meds. Some of these pills are very small. It's easy for them to end up on the floor. Cats and kittens are especially curious. And um, we drop our pills. We can't find them on the floor, so we grab another one. Well, the cats go looking for things to get into, and they will consume one of those little pills out of play. So I think I'm going to cut this off for the on hold message, but I'm going to keep going and we're going to use this as a podcast. This is good information. We're going to move on to number six for dogs. And we just covered that one in cats and that's antidepressant meds. Curious dogs will pick up anything off the floor. Um, If you've got a 90 pound Rottweiler and they take one of your citaloprams, probably not a big deal. But if you have a little five pound Yorkie, it could be quite serious. Dosing is so important on these and that's why it's great to be able to call this poison control pet hotline. They have access to this stuff, board certified toxicologist, and they can give you answers within seconds to minutes. Moving on to number six in the cats. And this is a one that we already covered in dogs, and that's non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. Now, cats aren't getting into the dog carprofen. Where cats get overdosed is actually by humans giving cats something for pain. For example, aspirin. Aspirin seems harmless, but cats are extremely sensitive to it. They are very slow to metabolize it. So if you take an aspirin yourself, it's going to be in your system for six to eight hours. But if you give your cat a baby aspirin, it is in their system for three days. That's one thing about the internet and over-counter drugs is they don't always put dosing and duration. So a lot of times people are unsure whether or not to bring their cat to the vet. They're afraid to call. They think, oh, a baby aspirin's not going to hurt much. Babies are the same size as my overweight, middle-aged, possibly can't pee plug tomcat. They repeated dose and can cause toxicities. So that's a serious one. Number seven on the dog list, Tylenol. So Tylenol and ibuprofen are not similar drugs. They're both anti-inflammatories, but they have a very different mechanism of action. Tylenol is toxic to dog. Please don't ever give your dog Tylenol as a pain med. When in doubt, call us. We'll give you advice over the phone before you administer anything. Tylenol actually can hurt the red 
red blood cells and cause an anemia. Number seven for cats, mouse and rat bait. So cats are a little smarter than dogs. They're usually more discriminate eaters, but hey, some cats are. Some cats will eat absolutely anything. And so often these mouse and rat baits are baited to taste good, like in a pellet. And that pellet is the size of cat food and it is grain based. So it's not unusual for a cat to get into mouse and rat bait. The other thing is cats can often get into the nooks and crannies that people hide rat bait where a big dog can't. Back to dogs, number eight on the list, vitamin D, like the little gel caps. Now, this is not one you'd think that dogs would get into, but they do and they have. We've had several cases of it at the Marshall Animal Clinic. And I think, why would the dog eat these gel caps? They don't necessarily smell good. They're tiny, but for whatever reason, dogs do it. But dogs also eat underwear and rocks and other weird things. So the problem with these gel caps is when they get into the stomach, they melt together and it can be extremely difficult to get the dog to vomit them up. Now, there are certain things that dogs eat that we try to make them vomit. Other things we do not. So vitamin D is one where it's not going to hurt them whether they vomit or don't vomit up. But often if we make them vomit, we don't know if they've gotten all the pills because those vitamin Ds gel in the stomach. And vitamin D can affect calcium and phosphorus metabolism and blood clotting. Moving on to eight for cats. And this is real similar to the dropping the antidepressant medicine on the floor. This would be stimulant medicines. And this is actually number nine on the dog list too. So your stimulant type meds would be like your medications for ADHD and ADD. Um, That's a common medication that a lot of people are on. The pills are really small. It's really easy to drop them. It's really easy to leave them on a counter where a cat can jump up and are curious about that tiny little pill. They explore things in with their mouth and they swallow them. Same with dogs. Dogs are curious about anything that seems like a a toy. So if you have like your bag, like an overnight bag with your medicine on the floor, it's definitely not uncommon for a dog to get in there and root around. And when they see something like a pill bottle that kind of makes a shaky noise, like like a dog toy, they're likely to put that in their mouth and chew it and destroy it, just like a toy. Number 10 on the dog list, fertilizers. So fertilizers can be ingested, but they can also cause burns topically on the skin of dogs. Um, Most fertilizers are safe after 24 hours of being applied to the lawn. Most lawn companies are really good about putting little keep dogs and children off lawn stickers, not stickers, but little posts on the lawn after they have sprayed. So that's something to be cautious of. Again, not highly, highly toxic, but one of the most common toxicities. And then number 10 for cats is vitamin D. We covered that one, Curious Naughty Little Cats. So this list is by no means a list of the most toxic. This is a list of the most common calls received from the Poison Control Pet Hotline. So these are the things that pet owners are encountering most commonly day to day and calling in on. And though I do not work for the Poison Control Pet Hotline, I do answer the phone a lot on call for emergencies. And I would have to say that this is pretty accurate. My cat list might be a little bit different, but definitely dogs and rat bait 
carprofen or, or uh, non-steroidals and xylitol are going to be the top of the list for the dogs. For the cat, with my own personal experience, we get a lot less calls on cats getting into toxins just because cats are, I'm sorry, they're smarter than dogs. So cats, the top of my list is actually going to be household cleaners and antidepressant meds. And I'm looking at the list right now and I just realized I missed one. I missed number five for both cats and dogs. How did I miss number five? Okay, we're going back. I'm sorry to the number fives on the list. For dogs, number five is grapes and raisins. Now, this is a little bit idiosyncratic. I definitely would not feed your dog raisins and grapes. They can be toxic. But for some reason, it doesn't affect some dogs. We had a boxer, oh, this has been several years, that ate an entire carton of raisins and actually pooped them out and they looked exactly like they went in, like the dog didn't chew them. The raisins went completely through the system. That dog had no toxicity. We were shocked. We were thrilled. But it doesn't mean that your dog couldn't chew, ingest those raisins or grapes and have a toxic episode. So number five on the cats, and this is a big one. I actually might do a full episode on this just because of their popularity, and that is essential oils. Essential oils are used by so many people for different things, for their own personal well-being, both mentally and physically. And a lot of times the people that like those like to use them as a home remedy for pets. However, pets <laughs> lick themselves clean. We don't. So if we have essential oils, which some of them can be abrasive. If you've ever smelled peppermint or put peppermint on your hands, that has a legit effect. If you put that on your cat and they lick that, they can actually get chemical burns in their mouth and in their esophagus on their paw pads. Cats want cleanliness above everything. And if you put something on them, they will lick it off, even at their own detriment. Wintergreen essential oil is one that can be really, really hard on on cats. So please don't use any essential oils on your cat or dog unless or any of your animals, horses included, unless you are truly following recommended dilutions and carrier oils recommended by a company or an expert who knows these things inside out. And even then, check with your vet and make sure that there isn't an alternative to essential oils that you could use. Think about dogs and cats and their sense of smell. It is so much more keen than ours. And honestly, I don't know the number. I'm just going to say they're a thousand times more sensitive in their smell to people. You got to remember, dogs can sniff out drugs. They can sniff out dead bodies, truffles, all sorts of crazy things. So you put these smelly essential oils on them. And if you can smell them and they're strong smelling to you, imagine how overwhelmed your pet feels. So any kind of perfume or anything smelly, just think twice before using that on your pet. Okay, so this was supposed to be an on-hold message, but I think this turned out to be a really good episode. So thank you, Poison Control Pet Hotline. I wish I had your phone number right in front of me and I could go ahead and plug you. <laughs> You're not a sponsor, but we appreciate you being there. But hey, we all have phones in our pockets and you can Google that stuff. So um, yeah, thanks guys. This list did come from them, and I hope you learned something from it. Thank you. As an afterthought, I'd like to remind you that you can get a hold of me at the email examroomrambles at gmail.com 
or you can interact with the Marshall Animal Clinic through Facebook, Instagram, or our website, www.marshallanimalclinic.com. Our phone number, 507-537-1537. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love you as our clients. You can also text that same number if you have a question, a concern, or just want to say hi. Hi.